Today on the Splendid Sagittarian Table, we give vegan recipes, vegan gossip, and vegan tips with my vegan guest, Lagusta Yearwood. Stay tuned. Sagittarian matters. Sagittarian matters. What's the Hello from Los Angeles. January 1st marked my 22-year anniversary of going vegan, and it feels like a great time to be alive and animal product free. In honor of my 22-year anniversary, I do want to tell you about one of my many gripes, and that is I do not want to be given something purporting to be a quote-unquote vegan brownie that is actually a piece of chocolate cake. Of dense chocolate cake. No, thank you. To quote Judge Judy Scheinland, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. This happened this week. I was at a bakery. The thing you got to do if you can't poke it with your finger to touch and see what the texture is, is you have to lead this inquisition, these 20 questions. You have to set the per- the barista, whoever's working there, up with a lie detector test. And you have to see if the word cakey comes out of their mouth unprovoked. And that's how you know it's just a frosted piece of cake or an unfrosted piece of cake. I just, come on, it's 2019. Let's get the brownie technology together. Impossible burgers exist. Vegan eggs exist. You have your bleeding impossible burger, but you can't have a crackly top on a gooey, ooey, gooey brownie. I do want to give a shout out to the 1990s when I would try to make brownies at home from a box mix because I was a teenager and the brownies would inevitably boil because, you know, it was essentially the recipe that comes in the box is like cocoa powder, sugar, you're adding oil, you're adding some applesauce in the place of the egg because, uh, you know, it's either that or energy egg replacer, which is a powder. And so then your brownies would start boiling and you just kind of had to decide when they were done boiling in the oven and let them sit and they would become the oiliest, kind of delicious, dense, sugary, chocolate, hard paste. I don't know how to describe it. I, I actually, I would make that kind of brownie right now. But um, if you have a wonderful brownie recipe that you can assure me is not going to be a cake, Please send it to me or send me the actual brownies. We'll give you a shout out on the podcast or send you some zines or something. I'll I'll give you Ponyo. Um, In other news, producer Ponzini Linguini is having some eyeball troubles. So I want to thank everybody who's part of Ponyo's Friend Club. I want to thank the sponsors for the podcast. And um, I want to thank everyone who supports the podcast and supports producer Ponyo because she has one good eye. That eye seems to be going downhill. We are doing some extraordinary means via seven different eye drops given to her 15 billion times a day and knock on wood for a good result. But as of now, she can still see you. She can still see the tennis ball and she'll be okay no matter what. Today on the podcast, in honor of my 22-year vegan anniversary, I had a chat with one of my number one favorite vegan chefs and my number one favorite chocolatier, Lagusta Yearwood. Lagusta Yearwood runs Lagusta's Luscious, a tiny, heartbreakingly delicious and ethically vegan chocolate shop in upstate New York that is so good, I once booked a tour through upstate New York just so I could go eat her food in person. She also runs a super delicious cafe called Commissary and has a chocolate shop in New York City called Confectionery. You can find her at lagustasluscious.com. If you use the offer code Sagittarian, you get 10% off. Please enjoy my talk with Lagusta Yearwood. Lagusta, welcome back to Sagittarian Matters. Thank you, Nicole. You are a gem and a light in my life. I'm so happy you're alive. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Same. We are here in the Sagittarian Matters Silver Lake studio with uh, guest German Shepherd and Panzini Linguini doing the levels, wearing the cans right now. So beautiful, both of them. Yeah. Uh, Quartzy, the German Shepherd, looks like a beautiful, he just says like beautiful wolf fur. And he is apprenticing with Ponyo to do the levels. So when she gets sick or wants to travel, he can still keep the podcast going. Ponyo's a pro. 
She is a pro. You can tell. She's a pro. She's not a patient teacher, but she is a pro. She's she's excellent. She's got the mini Kong. <laughs> she's ready to go. She's on it. She's making eye contact even with her blind eye. <laughs> she's she's asking you with her eyes to throw the Kong. It's so I just want to throw it, but I don't want to make noise. Yeah, don't do it. Both of the dogs are nude so that they don't make noise. Okay, Lagasta, we have a bunch of rapid fire vegan advice questions to answer today before we get into other longer discussions. So let us begin. These were questions that I harvested on Instagram.com that uh, now we have. Um, can I go to this? Yes. All right, number one. What is your favorite butter replacement? Hydrogenated oils scare me, and I'm allergic to soy. Okay, this one's a little tough because we make a homemade butter in our shop, and um, I'm pretty sure, I don't even remember where we originally got the recipe, but it's not hard to make. Everyone should be making it at home. It's so much cheaper than buying butter. I'm pretty sure it's a Miyoko's recipe slash, um, I can't remember. Um, maybe I'll find a link to it. We can put it up on a site or something. What do you put Um, in it? Well, basically it has a tiny bit of soy lecithin though is the only thing. So it depends how severe the allergy is, but it's so, so little. Um, it's basically just coconut oil. Um, now I don't make it anymore, so I can't, it's hard for me to remember what is in things that we make, but, um, apple cider vinegar. I want to say it has olive oil. Oh, this is really humiliating that I can't remember, but it's literally like three ingredients. You whiz them up in the food processor and then you add a tiny bit of soy lecithin and it's so buttery and great. Mm. Um, And you can make like, you know, five pounds of it at a time and freeze it. I have taken some home and not use it and it it does get moldy, but I think that's because I probably at home don't practice very good food hygiene, unlike at work um, in kind of a joyful anarchist way of Mm. probably had some flour mixed in that made it moldy. Anyway, you didn't need to know any of that. This is extra. (laughs) You, You you know, come for one thing, get get even there more. It is. I like to get if you if you are not good at making things, the Miyoko's butter itself, you can get at Trader Joe's for five dollars. Nice. Or you can get it at Whole Foods kind of place for like eight dollars. But it is worth it. And I don't go through butter that fast. Yeah. And I stopped getting earth balance because it had palm oil in it. So I haven't had that for years and years and years and years. But I I used to like it before before that moment i think our recipe is from what brianna clark grogan i want to say she's like an old school vegan i mean yeah um but also you could experiment with using sunflower lecithin in it which i think has kind of a weird flavor but if you're allergic to soy it could work um and yeah the miyoko's butter though is really good it has cultured cashews in it which i think makes it extra awesome which you could also add to your homemade butter if you like culture some cashews mix them in do it culture something you just let it sit in water and wait for it to get a little frightening you could do that um or you can get um acidophilus culture is probably what they use mix it in let it get a little stinky there's yeah or you could grab a book like wild fermentation or um there's you know i learned a lot of fermentation ideas from facebook from being in like fermentation groups and everyone posts pictures of like their sourdough starter and it's i don't it's just kind of a great world and instagram there's lots of good um i try to use social media these days as a um learning tool and there's a lot of good uh good places love that yeah i think miyoko's is the best and i also i don't use butter that much and it could be because i'm not eating that much toast and that is what i would be using it for but i just use the straight up oils like if you need to cook something i'll just use olive oil or coconut oil or sesame oil depending on what's going on yeah i feel like almost in the vegan world we've kind of come totally around where we wanted butter so badly, and now there is this great vegan butter around. And now sometimes I'm like, well, I, who cares? Like, I'll choose olive oil, which yeah. like 10 years ago would have been like, I like, deserve you butter. Know? Yeah, exactly. But I have been making just like a really quick, um, like Alfredo kind of situation at home with butter. And I think it's a Bon Appetit recipe. Okay. Um, that's just like butter and cheese. Um, so what I do is sometimes I'll take home, like if any cheeses that we sell at, uh, the coffee shop, um, commissary, Lagasse's Luscious commissary, New Paltz, New York. <laughs> um, if they expire or anything, I take them home because cheese does not expire. Anything fermented never expires, but you know, we can't sell it because it's past the expiration date, um, because of rules and the government. <laughs> um, so what I do is I take them home and let them get even older by keeping them like not really covered in my fridge or like kind of badly covered um and then they get all hard and dried out and then i call those parmesan (laughs) and then i like grind those with a little microplane grater and um i just warm some butter i feel like there's other things in here you could do garlic hot like chili pepper flakes um salt and pepper and kind of like mix that with pasta put in some grated cheese um actually first you warm the butter 
let that get all melty. Um, and then put in the grated cheese, melt that. You put in a little bit of time. Um, and then you have like a nice little creamy sauce. And it's like a five-minute quick dinner. You could add some herbs if you have at the end or um, could add some vegetables, whatever. Uh, <laughs> this sounds delightful. It's kind of delightful. And I have to say that's, yeah, if I'm just really hungry at home, it's that's where a lot of my butter usage goes to. What brand of cheese do you sell or do you take home for this? Um Usually the Miyoko's cheese or, um, which I, I feel very lucky to buy these cheeses wholesale. Which, it, which one? Um, you know, whatever ones are old. Um, <laughs> I know I use the Herbe de Provence, which a lot of people don't like because it has like lavender and all these weird things on the outside. Um, or I use our home Hudson Valley cheese tree line, which is a really good company. It's really, and Miyoko's is too. They're both run by awesome animal rightsy vegan, um, people who are really trying to like do good things in the world um the tree line cheese is actually made like 20 minutes from us so we go pick it up at this hilarious vegan cheese factory um right right near um our manager kate's house so she has to go pick it up on her way to work <laughs> um, wonderful yeah it's pretty funny all right let's go move on all right this is great okay. this is the splendid the splendid sagittarian table yeah um okay what are your current favorite go-to dishes? Well, that was one. That was one. Okay. For me, uh, honestly, inspired by your shop, beans and greens Yay, is one of my favorite things to make because also I may be turned on by you. I really like to get Rancho Gordo beans or some kind of really fun heirloom bean that I am not familiar with. And I like to soak it and then I like to make it with a bunch of greens because that is just an easy thing. You can make a giant pot of it. It's delicious. If I feel like it, I'll add some noodles. I don't tolerate wheat wonderfully so i'll get like lentil noodles or bonza or what have you and then i'll add that to it and it makes it even heartier i mean it's definitely like a bean rich treat so if you don't digest beans well look out yeah i think the beans and greens we make it at commissary with like we work with a local farm so we get whatever greens are in season any kind of bitter green is i think the best with that because it gets kind of sweeter the more you cook it um and it's basically just tons of olive oil tons of garlic tons of tamari or shoyu um or brags if you're living in 1985 <laughs> <Yeah>, maybe <laughs> um and some salt and pepper and then you just cook your beans till they're really nice and tender literally any kind of dry bean um and yeah it's and mix it all together cook it for a while till it tastes good maybe some uh like hot like red pepper flakes um i really love making that into a soup where you add some water and then um like a like a rice shell pasta i like mm. um in there and it's like really my favorite kind of soup it's or i like to use cannellini beans with it and kind of make like an escarole cannellini bean mm. kind of classic italian kind of thing no wait when you you told me to use bitter greens but then also balance them out with a more mellow green too or do you do yeah. just bitter so bitter bitter would be like a dandelion green yeah, or like an escarole or um, like a chicory kind of thing. Um, I don't know on the West Coast. I don't know if your bitter greens are like amazing because um, really it's really nice after a frost um, makes bitter greens really, really sweet and nice. Um, and then they have a nice kind of balancing effect. But um, yeah, you can do like... I, we like to do like two thirds bitter greens and then one third like um, something like uh, kale or something. Someone if you do, chill. yeah. If you do all kale, I don't know. I'm kind of over boring. kale. Yeah, I love. Um, I mean, I still love kale, but it is boring. But I did. I mean, I felt like a soup wizard this week. I made beans and greens, but I made it a little cheesy. Yeah. Like I added cashews and I used my immersion blender, Ooh. and so I blended part of it so it got a little creamy and then i just added a lot of nutritional yeast kind of cheese like vegan yeah. substances uh, in retrospect i should have separated some broth with the cashews before and beans before i did the immersion blending but you know so be it there were some stray cashews rolling around in there that was fine that's fine no that sounds great i mean i think also if you had your fermented uh cashews maybe for making your butter um toss those in there or like even some like pickles not like cucumber pickles but maybe like some um i don't know like like sauerkraut kind of thing or um yeah any kind of i really love pickles in any kind of savory food well now listen awesome. here you had this the other night from night market song cow soy is one of my favorite thai dishes it's like a curry noodle soup but the thing that makes it special is there are fermented vegetables on top yeah. and i have taken this concept home with me and so now i will put kimchi on top of curry whenever i make it and it elevates everything so you and i were talking about like oh, 
elevating vegan food by like amplifying all the flavors and adding like a sour, fresh, bright flavor to something as like heavy as curry really jazzes things up. Yeah, exactly. I think also adding any kind of, I like to add any kind of fermented thing to anything just to add one, another layer of flavor and that kind of like bright I don't want to say pop. I hate it when people say pop. Oh, okay. I don't know why. A pop of flavor. Um, and also because it's it's just really good for you and it helps you digest food. And um, yeah, so yeah, add, add your pickles to whatever. And I think the world of kimchi, like people can be scared to like make kimchi at home, but kimchi can be, you know, kimchi and sauerkraut are like these cousins and they can kind of just be anything that you buy a lot of at the farmer's market or, you know, is on sale that you go home and mix with some salt and, and pack it and let it kind of, well, kimchi's made slightly differently, but anyway, um, not that differently. Um, yeah. And it like homemade pickles are so easy to make of all different kinds and they're so gratifying when you have them around. Um, do you add a pickled object to your ramen when you make ramen at the shop? Ooh, um, you know, I haven't really, I'm trying to think, but, um, that's really, it's really nice to do. I do love a kind of sour, um, I think this is one thing that veganism is really lacking is an understanding of, um, that sounds weird to say, like, veganism is lacking in such a huge community and world, but, um, like balancing flavors in this way and building on flavor in terms of having a sour element and, um, adequate herbs and salt and tartness and and all these different things um yeah i really love like when i make ramen at commissary just having a lot of different kinds of flavors so that every bite is slightly different um and playing with like raw things and you know having some like raw um scallions and raw like grated ginger different little things so every you get all kinds of different tastes in every single bite when you are making when you have your druthers and you're not just like eating bachelor food at your house if you are making something, do you have, are you like, this needs to have one part salty, one part sour, one part sweet, one part oil? Like, what do you have, like, what are the, the theories or ideas running around in your head when you're creating something? Yeah. Um, when I've noticed, like, when we're working on a salad for commissary, we try to have really nice salads. Um, we all, everyone always says that it needs like a crunchy element. People love like some kind of like fried thing or like a chip or um, like a nut or something that's like really nice and crunchy. Hi, Ponyo. Um, and I think just balancing those textures and flavors and having an awareness of like, um, yeah, I don't know what, like how, how to, how to make it tasty oh my god um, wait can i tell you really quick yes. one of the most wonderful things that friend of the show morgan ever introduced to me was at the asian market buying the pre-fried um onions or pre-fried oh, garlic yeah. in the little plastic container so when you're making like a curry say you have like this delicious curry with your vegetables that are soft and your tempeh or whatever and then you have your kimchi and then you have these little crunchy fried onion bits on top yeah. you're living the dream that is the dream to me. Yeah, me too. That's it, totally the dream. I think also like deep frying things yourself is not really that hard. And it's so great when you have like those little deep fried onions or like a little, I don't know, deep fried anything like a broccoli stem that you cut into tiny little pieces and fry. Ooh. Like, I don't know, you know, so many like root vegetable -y things really take to that or like make a little chip from like a daikon and slice it really thin and then fry it and... Um, I think those things really, really elevate your cooking. And especially when you're cooking at home, a lot of people don't think about garnishes, but garnishes are so awesome. And not as of just like a garnish, but as another way to add flavor to your dishes and add kind of like visual interest and another, um, just everything. But garnishes yeah. are great. <laughs> I recently, I got the Superiority Burger Cookbook for Christmas. I've been making their collards recipe, and it includes a nice balance of these things. It includes tomato paste, apple cider vinegar, tamari, of course, and then sugar. Um, and it also has, you know, onions, garlic, whatever, whatever. But that blend of those things together, balancing each other out, it's just like the first yeah. time I had tempeh fried with soy sauce and maple syrup. I was like, what's happening in my mouth? Yeah. I was like 19 years old and I thought whoever did it was a wizard. Totally. I think that because I eat there a lot, um, Superiority Burger is really good at really pushing flavors to the limit, sort of. Mm -hmm. um, they're really good at acid. They're really good at salt. And a lot of their food is um, 
it's so um, vegan friendly and it's like these classic kind of vegan flavors, but taken in really good ways. Um, and because this is, I think, something that is really missing in the far- in the um, vegan world too. It's really, really farmers market based, and it's really based on seasonality and um, just seeing what's in season and and what we can, you know, like what they can like riff on and make um, amazing with different layers of flavor. They're doing a good job. I love it. <laughs> I, I kind of want you to coach me through the TFT recipe oh. as a as a food professional. Yeah. <laughs> I've never made it. Well, it's in their book, but it's it's a it's for people that don't know. If you're ever in New York on a Monday, go to Superiority Burger, line up for the tofu fried tofu sandwich, which is like a chicken sandwich, but it's tofu and like there's a thick ass fried breaded kind of layer to it. That is the thing that to me I'm like can I pull that off at home? Oh, I don't know. Totally. I just need like a pep talk. <laughs> yeah, it's just having good dredging. All about the dredge. I don't even know what dredging <laughs> is. See? Yeah, you just need. I mean, I haven't actually. I have. I haven't really perused that recipe so much, but I've eaten that sandwich many a time, and it's a really great. Um, but I'm guessing it's just like a, a wet mix and a dry mix, yeah. and then the wet mix. What is like breadcrumbs and stuff? And how is it tofu fried tofu? Ooh, I want to look at it right, right now. We're gonna look, we're um, gonna look at it shortly. <laughs> I feel like what is it like soy milk? Okay, all right, we'll all look right, this up. All right, we gotta. Let's go to our all next right. question. Um, oh. Before I get us in the weeds, okay. I keep doing this. Um, what cities and countries have you been to so far? This is so funny. It's not an advice question, but I do want to tell you the heart. What's the hardest place it's been for you to be vegan? Cuba. Cuba. (laughs) What did you end up eating or what, what, how did you live? Um, I ate, uh, something called like, I don't know what it was called, but it was ketchup and pasta. Um, I don't know. I pride myself on not, I'm not like an annoying vegan always like, what's vegan? I mean, you have to be like that because you need to make sure things are vegan, but I can always find something and I love, I don't know, eating simple foods and street foods and just fruits and vegetables. But Cuba was pretty, it was a little bit rough. (laughs) Going to small towns in France was rough for me. Paris, bigger cities, Fine. Grocery store, I'm on it. Restaurant with side dishes, perfect. But being in Angoulême, France, in this tiny village, I remember I went to this, this guy was trying to take me on a lunch date. We went to this restaurant and like, he didn't understand, and maybe the waitress didn't either, that fish wasn't vegan. So he was like, there's so much you can eat here. Look, no dairy. And then it turned out the only thing I could eat was olive tapenade. Oh my gosh. And so all I was eating in this small town was like oranges, espresso, potato chips. And then I had for lunch this like giant ice cream scoop sized ball of tapenade with bread, which I don't even eat bread at home, as you know. And so then I was like, no, this is wonderful. Thank you. Uh, perfect. Oh, mwah, merci beaucoup. Thank you. And I just felt like I was like getting scurvy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Those small towns can be a little hard. I don't know. It's, I always forget to like carry snacks with me, but Cuba, my partner did bring a lot of like granola bars and I was happy about it. Um, but I honestly think that like, I maybe didn't do the best job researching because, um, in retrospect, I was starting to have a year long nervous breakdown. So I could have done that one better. But (laughs) nowadays it's so much easier to research when taking for granted that in the past you had the fucking happy cow website, which would take you across the city to a place that had long been shuttered. And you'd be like, have yeah. taken like 16 taxis there because Uber didn't exist. And then you'd be like, well, now we're stuck and I'm starving. And this was supposed to be a Rastafarian restaurant, but they're closed every day but Sunday. Anyway, um, but so I want to say I travel with nut butter packets. If only they would sponsor me, I would tell you the brand. But it's a palm oil-free nut butter packet, not Justin's, which has palm oil. So, you know, if you want to go ahead and shave an orangutan and abuse it and humiliate it, you know, that's what you're doing every time. Orangutan humiliation. <laughs> I'd love to know that brand. I hope they sponsor you. I wish I've actually applied to be an influencer for them, nice. and they've never gotten back to me. And I'm like, I want to tell everyone about your brand. Anyway, but nut butter packets and um, Trader Joe's nut and um, cranberry mixes really get me through when I'm having a rough time on the yes. road. But otherwise, you can always eat sides. Every meal doesn't have to be the meal of your life, and you don't need to order a main dish. You can make a meal of delicious sides. Yeah, exactly. Or like just fruit from a little fruit stand if it's a place where it's okay to eat the fruit. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah exactly. All right. Um, Dear Sagittarian Matters, what is a delicious vegan protein not made from soy? I can't eat soy, sad face. Um, well, I'm, you probably know about beans. Beans are out there. Beans exist. <laughs> um, uh, I have this, you know, I really think that all vegans 
need to really identify as all people do how they need to eat and what feels good to them and for me for whatever reason what feels good to me is a a low protein diet. I feel like you're not supposed to admit that, but I'm not into like fake meats or um, I don't love tofu. I used to make tempeh and then I liked it, but now that I don't make tempeh, I don't like eating it because I'm a freaking snob. I'm sorry. Um, so I don't really eat that much protein. Um, I eat a lot of veggies, a lot of oil, and a lot of noodles. And I've been vegan for 25 years. I'm 40 years old and I'm not dead. So I don't know. I'm just going with that. Um, but um, my... So yeah, so my first question is, why do you think you need to eat so much protein? Um, you know, most foods we eat have protein. I remember when I was a kid, like researching the, um, you remember those charts in like Diet for a New America that was like, here's how much protein is in like a carrot or whatever. No. Um, yeah, it was like, there's protein in everything. Um, but that said, um, if you're allergic to soy, um, yeah, what else? What else? Not to, not to naysay this person's body situation but i have found soy easier to digest when paired with a fermented item mm-hmm. or fermented soy yeah. yeah well that's why like mm-hmm. tempeh i'm like oh wonderful but then if i'm eating tofu and i'm feeling a little on the edge stomach wise if i have it with kimchi or sauerkraut or something it makes it easier yeah. it's giving your body some extra things it needs to uh, get in there the thing about fermented foods is that it's kind of gross to think about but they're partially digested for you so it's you know it makes it a little easier because some of the work of eating eating them has been done by cultures <laughs> it's not funny to think about yeah by cultures like you know gnawing away at them and making them nice and a little bit rotten for you which is good Today's episode is brought to you by Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Michelle Lemoyne, Mary Pinson, Jill Soloway, and Christy Harrod. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, especially producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $5 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect, leg like its appendage at gmail. Thank you for your support. And we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it too. Don't be scared. That's just Ponyo's voice. Her speaking voice. Protein part two. Beans, man. Beans. I mean, nuts. I love nuts. But I mean, some of the things like... Hummus or chickpeas, you look and there's not actually that much protein. So why are you even bothering? Yeah. And I don't know if, um, you know, seitan can be hard for people to digest, to digest, but if you have a soy allergy, it's a good wheat protein source. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Dear Sagittarian Matters, why do you think people are still so clueless, confused, and disparaging of vegans and vegetarians? All right. Wait, here's what I think. I think Ooh, that, this is going to be, I think we're like, going to disagree on this. Are we? I'm excited. Okay, okay. <laughs> point, counterpoint. Okay. I think that people project a moral superiority onto vegans and vegetarians. They think that we are looking down on them. They think we are doing something that they maybe have wished they could do or that they actually agree with, but they're afraid of being morally judged. And then I think that they project that onto vegans. And I think part of that is projecting that vegans are above it all and or super privileged. We're so privileged. It, you know, if we were less privileged, we would be eating whatever. I think that that's essentially what it is. Because I know the friends I know that give me the hardest time about being vegan are friends who have told me that they have failed at being vegetarian, but they wanted to be vegetarian. That's what I, that's my thought. Okay, as much as I want to fight with you on this, I completely agree. Um, <laughs> but yes, and, um, but I also think, well, one, I know my mom was a very passionate vegan and what she would say was that you're, whenever you get a reaction like that, it's just someone's guilt coming out. And I think that's totally true. But I also think, unpopular opinion, vegans are really annoying and that we really need to look at ourselves in the mirror and deal with the issues within our own movement in terms of intersectionality and getting our house in order um, and working a lot harder on kind of every level. One, I think that we have this kind of insane, gluttony, Instagram-y culture of mm-hmm. traveling to places and posting a sandwich cut in half held up against a wall of like deep fried mac and cheese, which, you know, is great. It's it's tasty. Um, 
and just kind of an obsession with comfort food. And I say this as someone who owns a cafe where mac and cheese is our number one seller. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely, um, you know, for, for us and for most of the businesses that sell, sell things like that, they sell. So that's why we make them and they're good and that's fine. But I think that it's also time to kind of analyze that and up our food game and start looking at where our ingredients are coming from and where our flavors are coming from and how we can use more high quality ingredients and farmers market produce and working with farmers and things like that. And also looking at how we can work a lot harder to amplify the voices of people of color and queer people and people on the margins of society. And, you know, it's still really, really lacking. And I think that sometimes, not most of the time, um, the criticisms of veganism come from that. I do think a lot of it is guilt and a lot of it is annoying people who don't want their, you know, meat taken away from them or whatever. Um, but I think that sometimes there, there is a grain of truth of vegans are kind of ridiculous posting our, you know, like, I don't know, ice cream, whatever shots, you know, on Instagram. And it has become kind of this, um, competition of eating sort of and it's on the one hand it's good because it shows the diversity of vegan foods to a certain extent um and how how much we have done to make great vegan food but on the other hand it's kind of exclusionary and it's kind of almost a stand-in for like old school activism where i feel like Mm. so many vegans i know don't really do a lot of actual activism but kind of pretend that we do by like posting about vegan food i don't know i would love to be proven wrong yeah exactly i would love to be proven wrong on that um and i have to say that in la i see a lot more um diversity in terms of people of color cooking food that is um you know from their communities which is really beautiful to see and and amazing um than on the east coast so i don't know there's there's some things there Mm -hmm. i love the vegan world but i think we have a lot of work to do in terms of um kind of not not being annoying. <laughs> but I think that a lot of people who are not vegan have some kind of memory from like, you know, when they were in high school and first met a vegan that like somebody that was going through their identity politics for the first time who was like, this is what you should do. Yeah. But now I feel like as someone who's almost 40, I'm like, that's an old story. I'm sorry if you have a, if you once met a vegan that you decided to hold on to that for, but that's not what's happening right now. I'm yeah, not pushing it on you. I'm just trying to sit in the corner and eat my thing. And I don't need you to look at the menu for me. I don't need you to do anything for me. I don't even need to talk to you about what I'm eating. I just need to eat because I'm human and I need to keep my organs functioning. Yeah, exactly. And I think like I also want to take a little space to honor the fact that I was that really annoying vegan, you know, from age like 15 to 25 of just ruthlessly annoying the crap out of everyone in my life talking about, you know, slaughterhouses. Um, so I have love in my heart for that person, um, even though they're so annoying. But for me, I feel like veganism is such a small part of honestly my life and of being a, a person who's political and is trying to question my choices and try to make um, good choices for the the world that I want to see. And the fact of what I don't eat doesn't really, I don't really engage with that daily. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I feel like when I go out to dinner with people who aren't vegan, which happens very rarely, um, you know, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm so far out of that world of people being annoying to me about it. But yeah, when people are, I'm just like, wow, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm not talking to you about what you're eating. No, it's like none of your business. (laughs) Just please let me live my life. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm also interested in a conversation about the idea that people will in their kind of like wanting to take veganism down, they'll be like, well, veganism means gentrification or veganism means privilege. You know, you're so lucky you get to choose. It is true. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel um, it's my 22 year vegan anniversary. I feel a lot of gratitude that my body has allowed for this and that, you know, my place in the world has allowed for me to eat the way that I want to eat and that I get to choose to eat. Um, but I don't, but I think that veganism is something that is worldwide. Mm-hmm. It's not just yuppies in Silver Lake. It's not just white people with an eating disorder. And I think that that is such a small, that's, a, that's just like a small vision for yeah. people. I just, I'm, I, this only comes up because I saw some memes on this anti-gentrification website that were like, that feeling when you see vegan businesses, blah, blah, blah. But like in yeah. Los Angeles, there's a lot of vegan businesses owned by people of color that are not billionaires. 
Exactly. Yeah, I think it is It is really sad to me how I remember that my favorite New Yorker writer, Ariel Levy, um, once used the word vegan as a metaphor for, you know, exactly that. And it just really hurts when you see it out of context and you're reminded of how, like, the mainstream world uses vegan as this shortcut for annoying white person. And it is really, really annoying because if you look at so many cultures around the world, there is a history of not eating animals, you know, in all kinds of Asian cultures. And so, so many cultures, when you delve into them have a beans and rice dish you know and there wasn't meat wasn't available so all these other things were were found you know these amazing basically vegan dishes and there's vegans everywhere it's not you know called vegan and all obviously um all around but yeah it is it is super annoying um and meat meat is a luxury yeah and if you're not paying very much for meat you need to really interrogate where that meat's coming from and what is in it. Like, you know, if people couldn't afford meat, so they had beans and rice, and then all of a sudden meat became the same price as a bean, what does that mean? Like, on what scale is that? Where is that meat coming from? What's it doing to the environment? What's it doing for the workers? Are the workers getting paid that much? You know, and then you get into race and clash and immigration issues. And so being vegan isn't just... yeah. What I think is funny now, though, is when we first started making chocolates and selling them, I never wanted to advertise anything as vegan because I didn't want people to think that it was like some weird like tofu, um, you know, just really gross kind of hippie kind of thing. Um, But now it's become such a selling point. And I almost don't want to advertise that things are vegan because it's become so trendy. And it's so odd to me how veganism has – I really grew up in this – culture of veganism that was closely tied to activism and animal rights. And I feel like now it's so closely tied to consumerism and um, trendiness. It's just kind of blows my mind all the time um, when I, I go in places and ask if things are vegan. And and I think the, you know, now there's plant-based, which we mm-hmm. can talk about. I don't know why plant-based makes me irrationally angry. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But um, the word vegan is inarguably just a gross word like and you know i prefer vegan (laughs) vegan. um (laughs) but for some reason plant-based is is worse to me because it seems it's it's distancing it even more from politics and plant-based is only about eating it's not about nonviolence or um you know the things for me like as a when i was a baby vegan i was really really into it as basically a religion and encompassing um the world that I want to live in of fairness and equality and nonviolence and all these things. And it's just funny now, you know, walking around Echo Park and Silver Lake and just seeing like, you know, plant-based hair care. You're listening to Sagittarian Matters with Nicole George. Dear Sagittarian Matters, what are your favorite vegan cookbooks or recipe sites? Okay, I think anything by Issa Chandra Moskowitz like Vegan with the Vengeance or Veganomicon, I really liked. I like the Superiority Burger book right now. Um, any of those like Terry Hope Romero books, Issa Chandra books, I like. I haven't bought cookbooks in a long time, so that's that's where I'm at developmentally. You probably have some next level. No, I don't. I was going to say exactly the same things. Um, I, I don't really – there's so many vegan cookbooks out there. It's wild. Um, I don't tend to buy vegan cookbooks, even though they're great and everyone should. Um, but I feel like what I'm looking for in cookbooks is I tend to buy more like cookbooks from different cultures so I can learn like, oh, here, like I really love this year, the, um, Japan, the cookbook. Um, it's really beautiful, like really deeply researched Japanese cookbook. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of... It sounds very snobby to say. There's so many great vegan cookbooks out there. Go support vegan cookbook authors. Yeah. <laughs> Morgan really likes Vegetarian Cooking is for Everyone because oh, it yeah. has I like... I love that book so much. So that's my recommendation <laughs> from friend of the show, Morgan. And like us well, off yeah, that. Deborah Madison, who wrote that book, has a bunch of books that are almost all like vegetarian, vegan-y. Um, and she has a really good one, Vegetable Literacy, I want to say. Oh, what if that's written by someone else? <laughs> but, they, but these books, like yeah. they lay out the basics of flavor composition and of cooking vegetables, which I think is yeah. really helpful. Um, the next question is somebody wanted to know, do you have a favorite brand of miso? Oh yeah. Um, so I'm, uh, 
I, I just really, I'm really aware of how snobby I sound, but I really love food and, um, that's what I spend my disposable income on and it's kind of what I've devoted my life to. So let's hope I'm into it. Right. Um, but I, so I do make my own miso, which is not that hard and it's amazing. Um, it does take six months to several years. (laughs) So if you're hosting a dinner party, let's start it, start cooking Um, now. But yeah, so there's lots of recipes out there and it's really fun to make. Um, but that said, we may use way too much miso for our mac and cheese at the cafe um, for us to use our homemade miso. So we buy South River miso by the five-gallon bucket, and I think they're based in like Vermont or New Hampshire. Um, they're really, really great. Um, but I kind of love all miso. I mean, Miso Master is like a really affordable miso brand that's really great. Um, the only thing you really want to avoid with miso is like the shelf-stable ones because those are like um, cooked and kind of dead. Um, so just get like a refrigerated miso. Um, yeah, fun fact, you can make miso from literally anything. It doesn't have to be soy. Um, there's lots of non-soy misos. You can, it doesn't have to be beans. You could, I don't know. I know that the um, Noma people have this fermentation lab and they are making crazy kinds of misos that are made out of, I don't know, things that they've foraged off a tree and, you know, who knows. Wonderful. <laughs> Do you have a favorite brand of knife? Okay. Um, I really think that this is a very very personal question. Um, and once I bought a knife, um, for my ex-girlfriend and I, I've been kind of feeling kind of bad about it ever since, because I feel like what I should have done is, um, taken her to the knife store and had her pick out her knife, but I think she likes it. I'm pretty sure she uses it all the time. Um, but I really love global knives. Um, but I also think that any kind of knife that you like is the perfect knife for you. And it's really all about how your hand fits it and going to the store and holding it and like pretend chopping up and down a bunch. And, um, yeah, don't let anyone try to tell you that any fancy knife is better than any unfancy knife because it's just about what you like. Um, and sharpening it, learning how to sharpen your knife is like the most empowering thing. It's great. Do it. How much do you think someone should be prepared to spend on a knife? Um, I mean, to a certain extent, like if you get like a, you know, $10 knife, it's not, it's probably going to break and not be great, but you don't need like a hundred dollar knife. You know, if you spend like, I'm trying to think, I haven't bought a knife in a while. Um, I don't know, maybe like 50 bucks on a knife that'll last you years and years. Um, theoretically, if you're sharpening your knife, you should be able to use it until the blade like wears away into nothingness. So for like 20 years, um, you might want to look at, there are knives that are easier and harder to sharpen. The global knives are really hard to sharpen. Um, so sometimes I go and get them professionally sharpened. Um, so yeah, like other different kinds of compositions and materials of metals are like easier to sharpen, but, um, I would venture to say that every vegan that I know needs their knife sharpened, including me, honestly. Um, but if you just get like a nice knife block and don't get any kind of fancy gadget of like, pull the knife through this thing, those are never going to work. Um, but if you just get a knife block that you soak in water um, and and watch some YouTube videos on sharpening and then cut, your, cut a piece of paper with your knife to see if it's sharp, it's going to be great. All right. <laughs> What's our next question? Dear Sagittarian Matters, how does one deal with the extra bonus advice people are giving you for being vegan or vegetarian while pregnant? Well, F those people. Listener, as you may or may not know, neither of us are pregnant right now, so it's a little hard to say. I mean, I think it might just be a, I want to say beefed up, sorry, version of your normal kind of vegan self-defense where people are like, do you get enough protein? Where you just like, I just, thank you. And then you just. I just, if there's somebody you like, you want to keep in your life, I would just smile and nod and then just start playing a song in your head while they're talking. Well, I just want to say, I'm sorry that's happening to you. That's so annoying. Um, and you should, yeah, boink those people in the eye. I think one thing that I find, um, to be really, um, uh, when people are being super annoying is just to kind of gently passive aggressively show them how absurd their questions are of kind of just a little bit of like, Oh, in 2018, wow. You're asking me how much protein I get. Oh, Oh, it's 2019. What can are we, even can we role play that? Yeah. Let's hey, role play. hey, uh, what, what do you, what, what do you make these things with? What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you eat? Is it you eat rocks? What do you eat? Grass? What do you... I can't believe this is happening to me. <laughs> I think it's good to look around for an imaginary audience in a kind of way of like, is anyone else seeing this? <laughs> um, yeah, feel free to be annoying because that person's being really annoying. Um, I have this constant thing with, uh, I probably shouldn't talk about this because it's kind of rude, um, but with customers being like, how do you stay so skinny and have a chocolate shop? And um, I've written like an essay about it. I've talked about it nonstop. We talk about the shop a lot. And I have to say the other day, I had a customer who said that to me and I just burst out laughing because I was just pretty rude. 
but I was just kind of like wow like this is still happening um you know just to say like it's never really polite to talk about people's bodies um in terms of yeah what vitamins are you getting or what your body looks like or you know let's just all kind of celebrate all of our bodies and everything we're doing and not um yeah not be that way yeah (laughs) and so like the same way you never know what goes on between two people so you can't judge someone else's relationship really you also can't judge someone else's body. Someone could have lost a lot of weight because they had a devastating loss in their life and they stopped eating. They could have cancer. They could have a serious issue going on where they've been trying to gain weight and they can't. And then you come in with your own kind of issues and then, you know, or the opposite. Somebody could have gained weight for because they're on steroids. Like you just don't, you don't know what goes on in someone's body or what their situation is. So just uh, cool it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's just kind of not the kind of world that... I don't think any of us want to live on live in where we're all kind of, yeah, policing our bodies for positive or negative ways. And it's know? never a nutritionist. It's not like yeah. um, it's not like an OBGYN is walking down the street grabbing your pregnant arm, being like, "Excuse me, is yeah. the baby getting enough lipids?" Like, Asta, what else do you want to talk about while you're here? Can you tell me your favorite foods or your least favorite foods? You just did an Instagram post about how to tell if a ramen is too basic <laughs> or if the people are being lazy. Um, what's up with ramen? I love ramen, but I feel like, I, I don't know if my standards have gotten high, too high or like, is ramen kind of crappy a lot of places? There's a place here that's very popular. It has a line out the door at all hours. You know what I'm talking about, everybody. Um, and their vegan ramen broth to me is quite delicious, but they do put some raw ass kale and some mescaline greens in there. And, um, it is a bummer. Yeah, don't put raw kale in your ramen. Um, Tatsu ramen I went to last year. Have you been there? Mm-hmm. I feel like I had to walk a really, really long way to go there, but it was pretty good. Um, to be fair, you have been walking absurd <laughs> lengths. <laughs> You've been walking six miles at a time instead of taking yep. a lift. <laughs> I, I don't know. I get like motion six, so I just walk everywhere in LA. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I um, I have a little list of places, but I feel like I don't want to... I feel like I'm going to be judged because some of them are kind of shishi. Go ahead. Um, because away. that's really all I buy in life is food. Um, but I, if you're in Venice, um, Mountain MTN, the people from Jelena have a ramen place. And it was the most expensive ramen I've ever had in my life. I can't imagine what would justify the price. I'm sure their rent is a lot. Food world is hard. Um, but it was really, really good ramen. Um, so check that out. What makes it good? Um, I thought the broth was really great. Um, the noodles, I was kind of confused about. They were almost like soba noodles. I don't really understand that whole situation. What's um, the other piece of Jelena? Is that place? Yeah, what is Jelena. that? Okay, so I'm a big even though I love vegans in the vegan world, I'm a big, big fan of going to non-vegan restaurants. And I guess because for my own education, I want to see what's happening in the food world. Um, Jelena is really nice. Um, it's, I find it impossible to spell. It's like G-J-L-I. Anyway, you can look it up. <laughs> so it's very um, vegetable focused. And sometimes these like vegetable focused restaurants don't have a lot of vegan options, which is very infuriating. Um, but they're really good about it. And I've really, I think a lot of vegans are kind of nervous about going into like a fancy restaurant and I don't care because I'll eat anything vegan. So I'll freely just go in and be like, Oh, just bring me whatever's vegan, you know, and just like put myself in their hands. And then I feel like it's on. And if you can't make something good from someone who's like, literally bring me anything, um, then like you're, you know, what's up with your restaurant. Um, but yeah, that that's in Venice too. It's, it's really nice. Um, Another really fancy place if you're looking for like a date night. Um, Kismet, have you been there? No. Yeah, it's not vegan at all. But um, last year I went and I think it's in Silver Lake, Echo Park. It's on this road. <laughs> it's on the road of Sunset. Um, and and it was it was really nice. It was my treat meal for the for the trip. What um, did you eat? Ooh, what did I eat? I can't even remember, but there was something with like homemade almond milk. Um, yeah, it was really good. Um yeah, it was just like a, you know, farmer's markety kind of nice place. And I follow them on Instagram. And they just seem like nice people. I'm always trying to see if people seem nice. Mm-hmm. I feel like that, you know, you know, when like someone in a band says something terrible and you're like, oh, now I can't listen to that band. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe we shouldn't be that way. Maybe we should. Um, but that's how I feel with restaurants. What um, else? Uh, now, you and I are both currently, I'm having a real love 
affair with Joy and Pine and Crane. Yeah. I prefer Joy because they have a braised tofu. They have it in a sandwich. I get it as a side. And then I get a bunch of their little salad items. Some crunchy, like lotus root. Some uh, more stick to your teeth, like the pea shoots, the greens. Totally. I just love it so much. Yeah, I love both those places. They're really, really nice and just like fresh, tasty, noodly kind of things. Taiwanese, um, I believe. Yeah. I was really impressed with Highland Park and the like vegan nights that they have. I think it's like Tuesdays and, and Fridays. It's, yeah, it's like a bunch of nights. Um, I was kind of blown away by the, it's just like amazing, like food cooked by people of color and cooking like they're you know i don't know it was like really really lovely well so it started up it's across the street from donut friend and near mm-hmm. joy um cena vegan mm-hmm. is a taco stand and that kind of started it and people would just line up around the block for their tacos and just like a traditional street taco but it's all vegan and it's homemade meats and so then all these other places started popping up and so now you just go down that street yeah and it's all people making like pupusas yeah venezuelan food empanadas your drinks your whatever yeah it was so um a lot of times i feel like when i go to street fairs i don't know yeah it's i'm i'm a little bit underwhelmed but it was a really well like curated event um just amazing i had a vegan champarado like the kind of rice based um kind of hot chocolatey thing um that was really beautiful and um yeah it was really it was nice it was great you went to a bakery in highland park yeah, um, Delicia's Bakery. It's um, it's. I grew up in Arizona, so they have a lot of like, uh, little Mexican breads and things that I grew up eating that are really nice. Um, it's not all vegan, but they have some nice, nice vegan options. What did you get? Um, I got the conchas. It's like this little pink um, bun with frosting. <laughs> I have the worst accent. I'm sorry. They have been um, open since 1990. Wow, amazing. I wonder if they had vegan things all along, or what. But um, it was really cool. They were so friendly and nice, and it was just like a good vibe in there. I really liked it. If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. Augusta, I need to tell you about a truly terrible 1990s style meal that I had um, in, I'm going to say, possibly in Los Angeles, though I do travel a lot, so it could be anywhere. (laughs) My friend who's not not vegan, but who's very um, Cafe Vita tolerant, that being the 1990s era, um, the paradox and Cafe Vita are Portland standbys of like vegan gravy, biscuits and gravy, deep fried tempeh, like stuff that to me rings all my bells. But to my friends who aren't vegan, they're like, Jesus Christ, do we still have to go to this fucking place? Oh, I think that, you know, Christy Hall. Shout yeah. out to Christy Hall. I think she took me there the first time I went to um, Portland. Yeah. I love it the there. <laughs> That's where Isa Chandra Moskowitz almost died right in front of me because a light fixture fell on her table and the glass shards like oh. flew into her face and her hair. And then she got her food to go, and um, I was like, I just saw – she was, like, reading veg news. Like, it couldn't have been a worse <laughs> thing for that vegan restaurant to happen. Something similar happened to my mom at Chicago Diner. She got a bolt in her food, <gasps> but <laughs> she still loved Chicago Diner I know. so much. Well, Issa would still go back, and then they would give her free food, and then they stopped giving her free food, and she was like, are you kidding me? Oh my God. Anyway, this place, my friend, who has a high tolerance for old-timey vegan stuff, Ponyo no. Um, she was pawing at her eye, which is not good. So I went to this place with my friend and the waitress who was like 12 years old. No, she was like 22. I don't know. The waitress, I I was like, I don't come here very much. Can I ask you, you know, what are the highlights of the menu? Like, should I get this thing? She was like, the big salad is really good. I was like, should I get the big salad or the Reuben? Because amongst their bad Yelp reviews for how much, how hateful the staff is, (laughs) which is every review is like, these hipster bitches like you know i mean cut the misogyny away and there's just the people that work there that seems like there's misery from the top down um but amidst those yelp reviews people were shouting out the reuben and i love a reuben it's easy it's hard to fuck up it's not an issue right now in 2019 but i was like should i get the reuben or this salad and she's like the salad is really special because it has our tofu egg salad it has our egg salad on it which is like so good it tastes like eggs like you wouldn't believe it's like so special and I was like really 
And the more she talked, the more I realized, I was like, this is tofu and veganase with some turmeric (laughs) or a powder. I was like, this girl, I know this is an unreliable narrator. Mm -hmm. I don't think I want to get like, I was like, oh, this is this just a salad like I can make at home, but with a scoop of tofu of raw silken tofu. Yeah. And that is what it was sounding to be. So I got the Reuben. I've had many a bad Reuben though, even, you know, these days. Well, you're never going to believe what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so my friend ordered a cheese platter. Now in your estimation, what is a vegan cheese platter in 2019, 2018? Oh man. I feel like, you know, beautiful crackers and some nice farmer's market little things like grapes (laughs) and, you know, some, some cultured cheeses that are oozy and weeping and lovely. And there's all different kinds and they're they have blooming and veins and <laughs> well here's what happened oh by the way i have two fermented things in my fridge i want to try Ooh. and feed you okay so she gets this and it is a cup that is the size of it's like a small soup bowl full to the brim with like an ice cream scoop of some kind of like a paste like a cashew uh maybe a roasted red pepper cheese oh from the God. 90s paste <laughs> and then the rest of the plate is like Basically half a bag of grapes, a bunch of mescaline, and some bread. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the boxed mescaline at restaurants, I can't deal with it in, like, California. Maybe oh. in upstate New York in January. But but here, on. you should see the farmer's oh. market by my house. Your eyes will roll on the back of your head. So did we eat it? We did. Did I enjoy it? Sure. Was it what I thought a, a $12 cheese plate in 2018 was going to be? No. Yikes. In Los Angeles, California, where we are full of food innovations... Where there's a guest gastronomic egg, yeah, just on the carbonara at Crossroads. Oh, that egg! Um, but why do you think places like that stay open? I have two theories. One is people who don't know better. Two is vegans actually like it, or non-vegans actually like it. I mean, location, location, location. They're in a really good spot. I don't know why people go there. The inside is full of like a weird steam, like a bad smelling food steam. The staff is hateful. Steam. The menu is hateful. The menu is a hate crime. The menu is like someone like got a book about 1990s vegan cooking and then had like a bad day and then wrote the menu and you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, and they like, they'll have all the ingredients for something and they'll find joy in telling you they can't make it before like 2.30, you know, like I'll yeah. be like, oh, I had this avocado toast yesterday and they're like, sorry, that's just on weekends. And I'm like, oh, but I see this avocado sandwich you have. Is it possible I could just get that <laughs> toasted? And they're like, absolutely not. <laughs> I feel like I have a little, I think because veganism's gotten so fancy and like shishi, I have a little bit of affection for like just that old school world that's so terrible of, yeah, I don't know, the tempeh Reuben that's just like a, like just tempeh. Well, my friend, here we go. Here we go. Okay. So I have that too. I loved the nineties. I lived through it. Great time. I would eat, you know, I would call it a donut, but it was actually a frosted bagel. I would do what I had to do to get a vegan food. And I'm still there in some ways. I respect. So I got the vegan Reuben. The vegan Reuben was, it was not a dark rye, my friend. It was like a white, a white quote unquote rye. (laughs) There were four strips of that pre-made tempeh bacon. Bacon, bacon. Fake and bacon. There was four (laughs) thin little strips of it. There was a scoop of that egg salad. Don't worry. I still got that egg salad. (laughs) I don't – I feel like there was that orange sauce. Sure. Was there um, a sauerkraut? Can't remember. Because if there was, it was so – it was so weakly speaking that I didn't even remember. It was – oh, and maybe there was – was there a little bit of that same cheese from the bowl or did I just dip it in the cheese? I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, did the egg salad, was that their cheese? I think that was meant to be the cheese. <laughs> the ice cream scoop. That was doing double the, duty. Yeah, the That's, turmeric. <laughs> <laughs> but so that was the sandwich. Did I eat the whole sandwich? I did. But was I excited about it? No. Especially, I come from Portland where the by and by has a very reasonable, delicious tempeh Reuben with a dark rye, a nice sauerkraut, a nice sauce slabs of tempeh that have been appropriately marinated and grilled i just want to tell people it's not hard to make a reuben yeah it's sad that we're so spoiled now and ruined for everything i'm like go to the (laughs) go to the any grocery go to a piggly wiggly get a block of tempeh marinate it with some soy sauce some vinegar maybe a sweet thing just you know fry it whatever 
throw it on some bread that you put in the toaster with sauerkraut from a jar. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the sauce is made of. You do. I think it's ketchup and mayonnaise. Ketchup and, and mayonnaise. <laughs> that's it. That's the Reuben. That's it. That's the whole thing. And a cheese, yeah. a vegan cheese. Go get some Daya from the store. Sorry, I'm sure that they're owned by somebody terrible right now that... that <laughs> I think um, tempeh rubens are cool, though, because they're like five different fermentations. If you have like sourdough bread and sauerkraut and if you have a fermented cheese and tempeh. And they're funky. It's cool. Yeah. They're so, you know, do it. Do it nicely. I don't know. I just feel sad just sometimes that vegans accept still like such low standards when things could be so amazing. And yeah, let's make our lives great. Let's not let's not do an ice cream scoop of tofu with turmeric anymore. I mean, it was beyond. It was beyond. Like I am even snobby about sage, which everybody loves. I'm still kind of snobby about sage. People, too. oh, when I moved here, <laughs> everybody wanted to take me to sage. Have you been to sage? Sage is really expensive vegan junk food under the guise of vegan health food. Yeah, which is has a purpose. There's days where I love it, but I just no. Yeah. And the other thing that I'm going to say down to this, let's leave it in 2018, is. A deep fried Brussels sprout served to you in a vat of its own oils. Yeah. No thing like I like that. There's <laughs> I just I like I like oil, I like deep fried things, and I like the brassica kingdom. But yeah, it can be done really bad. It's true. Sometimes. Yeah. When you know, I was like into those when they first came on the scene in like 2012, 2013 as a bar food. Mm-hmm. But here we are six years later i want you to calm down with the brussels sprouts just a little bit like either make them a fried food like a french fry that's not served in a vat of grease but you know it has the grease intact or make it like a normal vegetable i just there's certain places that are high-end places that have a brussels sprout and i get it and i'm like i think that my arteries are all yeah and my body's slow i just i'm like chris farley in those old snl the bears skits where he's like having a heart attack just like punching himself in the chest trying to get over it that's me in a vegan restaurant um that's me with wraps well they don't give me a heart attack but i don't know why i have a humongous hatred of wraps i can't handle a wrap abused by a wrap don't give me a soggy hummus wrap oh it's like a burrito but ten thousand times worse i don't understand what's wrong with sandwiches why do we go away from sandwiches what is so good about a spinach tortilla (laughs) they're always bad there's some like we're eating a lot of taco bell so i think that there's like a chemical in the taco bell tortilla that is the same in all wraps and i think it's maybe the only thing that i disagrees with me because i can always like you know i can always taste this unlike the yoga mats and subway bread which i love i just i love subway it's my once a year indulgence you know i used to work there certified sandwich artist right here did you always change your gloves before you made a sandwich for we didn't have to wear gloves back then oh my gosh (laughs) i I used to be that vegan who was always like can you just make sure you change your gloves oh yeah no now people are like do you mind if i like just use the same spoon for the chili as for my food i don't care whatever i don't know (laughs) Um, I have to say though, I don't, I don't know if I told you this. I accidentally ate a bite of egg the other day and I like to think I'm the kind of person who would just be like, Oh, shit happens. Who cares? Like move on. Like, but well, I was already kind of having a weird day because of emotions, but, um, I almost started crying. I was really surprised by what happened to me. I got these, um, I got these chilaquiles and I just thought that the cheese on them tasted suspiciously not vegan but i was like oh it's la like people are doing amazing things and then um and i i like ate like two bites of it and then i put this like rubbery it tasted exactly like you'd think an egg tastes i don't understand eggs or why anyone eats them um it was disgusting and i don't know like sometimes you're vegan and you eat something that's not vegan and it's just how it is and there's no use getting upset about it but um i actually just i just like quietly spit it out in a napkin and i told them and they were like oh i'm so sorry and they brought me the right thing which i just didn't want to eat and i actually went to the bathroom and was standing in the bathroom like i just really want to cry i couldn't believe it but yeah eggs what's the deal eggs terrible i think i told you like when i had my own chickens i did an egg experiment where i was like there's no reason for me to not eat their like i don't have a moral objection to eating their eggs nothing's going to happen to them if they stop producing eggs i'm not doing anything to encourage it it's just their menses it's just happening and then i was like i'm just gonna try it i'm gonna try to scrambled egg it had been 20 years of being vegan just give it a try and then i just couldn't do it i scrambled it I put all this nutritional yeast, whatever, on it. <laughs> you put nutritional yeast. You might be vegan if. You're yeah, all this stuff, hot sauce, whatever. Egg. But I sat there and I was like, I can't do it. It's too pungent. It's too distinct. Yeah. It is what it is. It tastes like the inside of a chicken's body. And I was like, 
I just can't go there. It's like not food. It's like I'm somebody on my strange addiction eating like a piece of the mattress. Like it's not, it's a non-food to me so much that I was like, I can't do it. Yeah, so I fed it to my partner or the dogs or somebody, but... The texture is so weird. Well, we used to make at Commissary these really good vegan deviled eggs. I think if you just Google vegan deviled eggs, maybe vegan deviled eggs, La Gusta, um, you'll find the recipe, which we put on our like blog. Um, and I'm so proud of them. They're so great. But that's the only eggy thing that I can kind of tolerate because the, yeah, the texture is just gross. Now we're just like two like old ladies talking about like, that texture is gross. I'm eggs. I don't want to <laughs> eat any of that. I don't want to eat an impossible burger. I don't want to eat any. I would eat an impossible burger egg sandwich. I have a, I can't, I think that I, at Crossroads, they also served me like the egg, whatever the, Oh yeah. I got remember the, 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 yeah. the follow your heart egg. They oh, made yeah. that into a scramble and it was nasty. I was like, I can't believe this is a high end restaurant. Whatever they did to it was not my favorite. There's other things there I like, but that was not the thing I liked. Yeah. We make this, uh, egg for ramen and I kind of just made it as like a little Instagram bait kind of thing. And it it different from the vegan deviled egg. Now, <laughs> I don't know why I'm in the market of making vegan eggs, but it's like a molecular gastronomy thing, and it's really fun to make, and it has black salt that makes it eggy, but I'm so over it. I just feel like it's no one's favorite part of the ramen, and I think we're just going to stop making it because it's just kind of gimmicky, and you know, sometimes vegans come, and they're all excited to try it, but like no one loves it for it. People love it for the experience of having it and maybe like taking a picture of it. And it looks exactly like a ramen egg that you would get. That's fun. Um, Yeah, it's really fun. And for Halloween, we made these like red yolks. That was really fun. (laughs) Um, I got to say at Crossroads, they have a vegan carbonara with their gastronomic egg. And it was really fun. And it provided extra flavor. Yeah, I think I feel like we're like doing the exact same kind of thing with that egg so i went there and had that egg and i was like oh yeah well, exactly like our egg but, but i think it would yeah. be fun to have that in an egg sandwich to have yeah. the a runny yolk that you could dip a toast in yeah it's kind of fun oh yeah you could totally do that i can give you the recipe it's great wonderful yeah, yeah. do i have the patience unsure you need a sphere mold and two weird chemicals <laughs> already maybe way out of my jurisdiction like us to thank you for listening to my story about 1990s food gone wrong Anytime. I love it. That's my wheelhouse. Thank you. See you in the egg zone. (laughs) Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.